Who could the Gamecocks' intra-conference rivals end up being in a 3-6-6 or 1-7-7 scheduling model? All that today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. show where you consistently get concise and daily information on your favorite South Carolina sports teams. I am your host, Andrew Lyon, and I have got a jam-packed show for all of you here today. We're going to continue our discussion from Tuesday's show where we were discussing about the potential future SEC scheduling models. Now, Again, as of this moment, there has been no official decision made by the SEC presidents through a vote with the commissioner, Greg Sankey, on a future model. However, today we're going to play the game of hypotheticals and discuss who the potential permanent opponents could be for the South Carolina Gamecocks for both of these models. But before I get started with today's show, I would like to ask all of you a favor. Please go and give the show a five-star rating or a like on the app where you take in your podcast daily if you have been enjoying this new era of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. And also, if you happen to know a family member or a friend whom you think would like the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, be sure to spread the word and let them know as I would like to be able to grow this audience and this base to be as big as it can be so that I can continue to deliver great content to all of you on this podcast. And as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for continuous news coverage on South Carolina's major sports teams. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get on right into the show. So on yesterday's show, I discussed with all of you the two models which SEC officials in Destin, Florida this past week during the SEC spring meetings have narrowed their options down to those two models both being the 366 and 177 model. The 366 model basically being a model for nine conference games and the 177 model being one for eight conference games. For today's show, I'm going to discuss who South Carolina's hypothetical permanent rivals could end up being with each of these models. Now, it's important to know that no matter which model ends up eventually being passed for future SEC scheduling, South Carolina is in a bit of a predicament here when you consider the fact that they joined the SEC in 1992 And they're not considered a part of the quote-unquote old SEC guard. And because of this, the amount of intra-conference rivals South Carolina has is extremely sparse. At the same time, however, I do think that there would be a few options pertaining to their three permanent opponents in a hypothetical 366 scheduling model. So let's go ahead and take a look at who those three could end up being. Just a quick note before I start to talk about each of these individual teams, all of the following stats that I'm about to mention about all the different series for this section all came from Winsipedia.com. So the first team 
which I could see South Carolina having as a permanent rival in a 3-6-6 model, is the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, despite the fact the Bulldogs have 59 more years on South Carolina in regards to their time as a member of the SEC, South Carolina and Georgia have played 74 times overall since 1894. And while the Bulldogs have dominated the series for the majority of its history, since 2010, Alabama has defeated Georgia the most out of the other SEC teams with six victories total. South Carolina and Florida are tied for second with five. Since Georgia would clearly get Florida and Auburn as their first two permanent rivals, that would leave the door open for South Carolina to be in their final slot. Because let's be honest, outside of Florida and Auburn, very few, if any Georgia fans, want to watch the Bulldogs face Kentucky, a Missouri, or a Vanderbilt every single year. And Tennessee... While they have been good in years past, especially the 1990s, the Volunteers haven't put up as much of a fight as South Carolina has against the Bulldogs in recent memory. Georgia wouldn't want to admit this out loud, but they would miss being able to play South Carolina. The fan bases don't like each other, and South Carolina, whether they win or lose, at least you could say they're never going to back down from a fight against Georgia, even if it makes them look a little bit foolish in the eyes of the rest of the conference. A la 2018, when they were ranked 24th, Georgia was ranked in the top 10, and Georgia came in and dominated the Gamecocks that day in Columbia. If you're a fan of another team and you want to know how much history there is in this series, you can go back and watch the 1980 Georgia-South Carolina matchup in Athens were two of the greatest running backs in college football history and Herschel Walker and George Rogers faced off against one another. It sticks in Gamecock fans' crawl to this day that they lost that game as Georgia would go on to win the national title in 1980 just like it sticks in the Bulldogs' crawl that they lost to the Gamecocks in Athens back in 2019. Now, admittedly, after the Georgia selection, things get a little bit more tricky. But for my second selection in this hypothetical 366 model, I'm going to go with the Florida Gators. Now, head coach Shane Beamer is the first Gamecock head coach since Lou Holtz back in 2004 who hasn't formally coached the Florida Gators in a previous stop. So, this series doesn't have as many captivating storylines as it used to, but geographically speaking, this game just makes too much sense. With the 3-6-6 model, you would have to imagine the Florida Gators would wind up playing Georgia for sure, and either Kentucky or maybe even an LSU in that third slot. If the conference hour wants to be able to maintain some level of regionality with these permanent rivals in this 366 model, then the Gamecocks ought to be in one of these slots for the Gators. At the same time, South Carolina has been more competitive in more recent years in this series, as seven of their 10 series wins have come since 2005. Ironically enough, the first year the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, was coaching at South Carolina. Now, 
beyond Georgia and Florida in this hypothetical scenario, there are a couple of different teams that you could put in for this third and final slot. And I'll be going over the arguments for and against those three teams in just a few moments. But first, I want to pass along a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information, where you'll find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's NBA Basketball Championship matchup. If you look right now at BetOnline.net with the NBA Championship Series between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics, there is a prop bet currently for who will win the NBA Championship MVP award. And Stephen Curry is right now listed at minus 120 and has the best odds out of all the players currently to win that award. And it would be a big deal for him because of the fact that, you know, a lot of people say that in order to cement his legacy fully as one of the greatest ever, he needs to win an NBA championship MVP award. You also can look at NHL Eastern Western Conference final bets on bet online and you can also see regular season major league baseball games and of course all the latest fighting news from mma and ufc all the way to boxing bet online acts as a continuous source for all of your sporting wagering information including live betting esports and much much more head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your daily show for news coverage and updates on South Carolina Gamecocks sports. Now, if you recall in the first segment of today's show, I went over why both Georgia and Florida could easily be seen as two hypothetical permanent rivals for South Carolina in a subsequent 366 scheduling model in the SEC should the conference decide to move forward with that model. Now, I'm going to discuss with y'all a couple of different teams who could potentially fill in this final slot. And I will admit for this final slot, there could be some arguments made for all of these teams. So, for starters, I'm going to go with a team and subsequently a series that has had way more parity and bad blood than fans realize in recent SEC memory. And that is the series known as the Battle of Columbia with the Missouri Tigers. Now, since Missouri joined the conference in 2012, both teams have won five games apiece, with the winning team in half those games having won by only one score, in football meaning eight points or less, including the doink heard around the world when South Carolina won at number 5 Missouri in double overtime back in 2013. Now, these fan bases didn't really have a strong dislike for one another on the gridiron when this series began. But an incident between former Missouri Athletic Director Jim Sterk and current South Carolina women's basketball coach Don Staley changed all of that when Sterk alleged the Tigers women's basketball players were spit on in a game at Colonial Life Arena multiple years ago and even went so far as to say Don Staley promoted it. Due to how beloved Don Staley is in the Gamecock community and the stature she holds, of course, at South Carolina, 
This soured Gamecock fans' perception of Missouri, and Jim Sterk's comments would eventually lead to a defamation lawsuit being filed by Don Staley, which, as y'all can imagine, turned into a PR nightmare for the SEC front office. Now, ever since that sequence of events took place, the Gamecock fan base now mentally circles the Missouri game on the calendar every football season, hoping to see the Gamecocks beat the Tigers. And frankly, Gamecock fans view it as a disappointment to lose to Missouri, not just in football, but in any sport. To top off this hypothetical, the truth is that neither team's fan base expects to ever see their team lose to the other team, which makes this series all the more compelling when it's played. Missouri also is in a bit of a quandary in the sense that they don't have a lot of traditional SEC rivals the way the conference is currently set up, sort of like South Carolina does, with their biggest game being Arkansas every year. And even then, they've only played Arkansas 13 times in their football program's history. Now, when Texas and Oklahoma joined the conference, admittedly, you could automatically see that trio of teams being Missouri's permanent rivals. But again, this is purely just based on how I perceive the Gamecock faithful would want this to pan out from an opponent's standpoint on their end. And to top it all off, of course, the history that is there between the Missouri Tigers and the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, as I've mentioned previously, there are a couple of other teams that could potentially slide into this third and final slot instead of the Missouri Tigers. So I'm going to start off with the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now, for Vanderbilt, the same circumstances befall the Gamecocks' odds of playing them. Because while Vanderbilt is the closest, geographically speaking, out of the three teams that I'm going to mention for this final slot here, they also have much more history with other teams in this conference compared to their history with South Carolina. While Vanderbilt would obviously play their in-state rival, Tennessee Volunteers every year in this format, they have only played the Gamecocks 31 times. When comparing this to some of their other series in this conference, they have played both Ole Miss and Kentucky 94 times each. And if preservation of older rivalries and traditional matchups are weighted more highly than regionality of the matchup itself with this model, it would be difficult but not impossible to see Vanderbilt being South Carolina's third and final permanent rival in this model. Now, the other team that could end up sliding into this final slot for the 3-6-6 model is the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, for Kentucky, they're closer, geographically speaking, to South Carolina than, say, Missouri is. But the issue here is that there really isn't any history of hatred between either fan base. Even though this game from a fan expectation standpoint falls into the same premise like the Missouri game, that neither team's fan base expects to ever see their team lose to the other team. Simply put, Kentucky has much more history in their series with teams like Tennessee, who they played 117 games with, Vanderbilt, who they played 94 times, as I mentioned earlier, and Florida, who they've played 72 times. Heck, they've even played Mississippi State 49 times, which is 16 more games than their series with South Carolina. So to try and wrap up this conversation here on this hypothetical 366 
group of permanent rivals that South Carolina could have with this scheduling model. I believe that most South Carolina fans would undoubtedly agree with the Georgia selection and the Florida selection. I could see a decent amount of people maybe who listen to this show possibly disagreeing about the Missouri game. And I can kind of understand where y'all might be coming from on that just again, simply because of the fact that until Missouri and Texas A&M had joined the SEC, there is no history really to speak of between South Carolina and the Missouri Tigers. But in my opinion as a college football fan, see, I want to watch games that are going to be inherently compelling, where just based on the teams that you have facing off against one another, you're going to have valid reason to want to watch the game from the beginning to the end. Now, this could mean that, you know, you have a matchup between two stalwarts of the sport. So, you know, this upcoming season, obviously, Alabama is going to be playing the Texas Longhorns in Austin, Texas. It's going to be a really big matchup. It's going to be a very big game um, for on Fox for their big noon kickoff slot. And while a lot of people are going to probably say that Bama's going to blow out the Texas Longhorns in that ball game, it is going to be an inherently compelling game that a lot of fans are going to watch simply because of who's playing. If your programs like Missouri or South Carolina, obviously neither one of us are programs like Texas or Alabama. We don't have championships really to point to. We don't have all the NFL draft picks to point to compared to those two programs. We just don't, we don't have the prestige of a Texas or Alabama. So for a matchup like Missouri and South Carolina, you're looking for how close are the ball games usually? Are these games normally blowouts where the winner ends up winning by three plus touchdowns? Or does this end up coming down to the wire and the winner has to basically make a defensive stand or score a touchdown or field goal late in the game to win? And as much as some of us might not want to admit, Gamecock fans, the Missouri game has been extremely good since Missouri joined this conference. So I would say that based on that, if you're looking for competitive ball games and games that, again, you don't want to miss just simply because of the history, I would say that Missouri does fill in that final slot. Now, obviously, if it's all about geography and, you know, maybe you're a fan that wants to be able to easily make trips out to uh, certain away stadium venues, maybe you want to go take a trip to Nashville. You want to take the family out there to go around Nashville, which is a beautiful growing city over there. Then maybe you would want to see us play the Vanderbilt Commodores. And obviously the fact that South Carolina, I think, has only lost Vanderbilt four times in the around 30 games we've played against them in our history with one another. So that would maybe be a reason for Gamecock fans to want Vanderbilt in that final slot, especially when you consider the fact that if the first two slots ended up being, if, if that's what ended up happening, then obviously Georgia and Florida, at least from an objective perspective, from a, from an outsider's perspective, would be considered to be a pretty tough draw. And then Kentucky, they don't have the geography. It, it's not as close as, of course, Vanderbilt is to Columbia, South Carolina. But obviously, South Carolina and Kentucky games have also been compelling. 
even though Kentucky has dominated the series within the last eight, nine years or so, there have been around half of those games where it's been a pretty close ball game, and including last year. Kentucky won nine games the regular season. South Carolina won six, but South Carolina was a touchdown away from winning against Kentucky at home last season. So you can make arguments for every single one of these games, which just tells you just how tough it is for the guys who are going to have to make this final decision. I definitely don't envy the SEC presidents at all for what they'll have to do fairly soon in that regard. So coming up, I'm going to tell y'all who I believe South Carolina's permanent rival would be if the conference were to move forward with a 1-7-7-8 conference game model. But first, I have a message from our friends over at Built Bar. Now, if you're all like me, you have a hard time trying to find food that not only tastes good, but is healthy for you to eat. You know, like a caramel chocolate brownie. Okay, I know on the face of it, that doesn't sound like something that's super healthy. But what if I told you, you could have that plus 17 grams of protein? Yes, that's right. You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. But you gotta act fast before they're out of stock. These bars will help you solve your problem of trying to find that tasty post-workout snack. Plus, the macronutrient counts are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. The best part, caramel brownie bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. There's a big misconception in the world of fitness and nutrition that in order to meet your goals, you have to sacrifice taste with that. But with Built Bar, you don't have to sacrifice taste to be healthy. You can have the best of both worlds, and all Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons that you should try Built Bars. Having caramel brownie bars are just another reason why. With Built, Tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com right now to get your box of caramel brownie bars. And if you're looking to save money, we've got you covered there as well. When you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D in all caps, 1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. Go now. While the offer lasts. Now that I've discussed with y'all who I believe South Carolina's three permanent opponents would be in a 3-6-6 scheduling model, plus a couple of alternatives that could also slide in there, you may still be asking yourself, who would South Carolina's permanent opponent be in a 1-7-7 scheduling model? And my answer to that would be, I think it would be the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, This is a pick being made more so due to the simple process of elimination that is inherently done when you pair up all of the rivalries that are going to absolutely be included with this model. Basically, the traditional rivalries in this conference, traditional rivalries for the old guard of the SEC, rivalries that you are not going to see go away under any circumstances. And those rivalries are as follows. Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. Georgia versus Florida. Arkansas versus LSU. Alabama versus Auburn. Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Oklahoma versus Missouri. And Texas versus Texas A&M. This would literally leave both South Carolina and Kentucky as the only teams left in the whole conference who wouldn't have a primary rivalry in this case. So, therefore, they both would have to be paired up with one another. Now, although South Carolina used to own this series, being up at 1.17, 7, and 1, 
Kentucky has won seven of the last eight games in the series, with four of them being one-score games. Now, South Carolina fans' belief of their football program having a higher ceiling than Kentucky is why it drives Gamecock fans crazy to see where Kentucky is now in terms of the current SEC East hierarchy and the amount of times we've been defeated by them in recent years. And for that very reason, I don't think it would really bother South Carolina fans that much if Kentucky ended up being their permanent rival in a potential 177 scheduling model. Now, I still don't think that the 177 scheduling model will be the model that would that will end up being passed by the SEC's school's presidents. And if you want to know the reasons why I think that is the case, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to Tuesday's show where I discussed all this in depth if you haven't listened to that show already. But anyways, y'all, that is who I believe South Carolina's permanent rivals would be in both of these scheduling models. So who do you think South Carolina's permanent rivals would be in a 3-6-6 or 1-7-7 model? Do you have a particular preference? Do you think that maybe I nailed the selection for all the teams that I've listed here today? Or do you think that there was a team that I missed and should have included on this list? I want to hear y'all's thoughts on social media. So please, if you haven't already done so, go to Twitter and give me a follow at a lion underscore SC. That's at capital A capital L Y O N underscore capital S capital C. I thank all of you fellow Gamecock fans who tuned in to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast today. Thank you all for all the support you have shown me in just the first few episodes of this new era of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope that you all have a great Wednesday, and I will catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.